This evening's Bible reading is from Luke chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. It's on page 853 in your pew Bibles. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So today, uh, all around the world, uh, the Sunday before Easter is called Palm Sunday. And uh, it is the Sunday that it, we remember Jesus coming to Jerusalem as King. And so we're going to look at that uh, together tonight. I'm just going to pray with us as, uh, as we turn to it. Hey Lord, uh, we're asking for you to make your truth known, uh, Lord, to make your light shine, uh, to make your life um, spread. And, uh, Lord, we're asking that, uh, that as we hear from you, that you would, Lord, be at work, uh, even in this room, in our hearts and lives, Lord, we need you, the great King. Yeah, so yeah, come, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On that, on that day that uh, Jesus comes to Jerusalem, it is recorded in um, several of the Gospels that what happens is as he walks into Jerusalem, uh, the crowds put palm branches down and, and praise him and they put their cloaks on the ground uh, to honour this king, the coming king. This was indeed the ride of the king. The way it happened was that Jesus says to his disciples, I, I want you to go ahead to a village. And when you get there, you'll, you'll find this colt, this donkey, uh, which no one's ever ridden. I want you to untie it and bring it here. And he says, 
If anyone asks you, what are you doing? What are you untying this colt for? Say to them, the Lord needs it. And it happened just as Jesus said. They, they go ahead to the village, start untying this colt they find, and uh, people say, what are you doing untying the colt? And they say, the Lord needs it. They said, okay. They brought the, the colt to Jesus. They put a cloak on the colt and put Jesus on and and they and he starts to make his way into Jerusalem. The way uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell this story is that during Jesus' ministry, he actually had not been in Jerusalem all that time, and uh, that this, at last, was the time when the King was coming. The King was coming. To Jerusalem. As they go along the road, people took off their cloaks, put it on the ground so that the hoofs of the donkey won't get dirty and, um, and the donkey walks along on these, on these cloaks. It was a way of honouring him. And then the praise starts, like praise. We've been singing tonight and these crowds were praising God. Um, and it says that they were praising God for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the disciples, some of the Pharisees, I mean, rebuke the disciples. And they say, teacher, um, I got that wrong. Some of the Pharisees say to Jesus, rebuke your disciples. <laughs> rebuke your disciples. They're, they're praising you. They're, 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 they're declaring that you're a king. Can't you hear them? <laughs> rebuke them. And then That's not true. Um, but Jesus says to them, if, if my disciples keep quiet at this point, the stones will cry out. And then when he gets to the city of Jerusalem itself and he approaches Jerusalem and he sees the city, it says there that Jesus wept. He cried. And so what I want to do um, with you is just think about this coming king, this ride of the king into Jerusalem under three headings. I want to think about the coming king, I want to talk about the humble king, number two. I want to talk to you about the crying king, number three. And fourthly, uh, and lastly, I want to talk about how can this king ride into your life and my life and bring peace. So, number one, the coming king. Do you know it seems like there is in all of us a longing for a king. Because, I say that because royalty uh, all around the world are not becoming less popular, but more popular. Do you know that the, the, the wedding of Harry and Meghan... Um, attracted 50 million viewers 
in the US and the UK alone and became one of the most watched television shows of all of 2018. Why is that? Could it be that it's because humanity has a longing for a king to come? In the Old Testament, um, nearly every book of the Old Testament, there's a hint of a great king, a great king, the ultimate king, a greater king than we've ever known, a king. (laughs) There's a rumour in nearly every book of the Old Testament that a great king will come. And Israel had many, many kings and many kings failed in miserable ways. But now here on Palm Sunday, the king, the predicted king, the ultimate king, because in, when, when they start crying out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they are quoting Psalm 118 verse 26. And it is the, 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 the portion of scripture that was spoken when a king was coming. If a king went out and defeated all his enemies and then came back to the city, then people would, would, would take Psalm 118 verse 26 and they would speak it and they'd say, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And so now here Jesus is coming and they're quoting the same psalm as Jesus comes in. A king. They're pulling off their cloaks and putting it on the ground, acknowledging that you are the king, you are the one that is to be honoured. This is a universal, a never-ending kingdom that he's bringing. And it says there that that they are praising him for the miracles that he has done. I wonder if there's anyone here that has seen a dinky-die legitimate miracle. We don't see many. And these people here did not see many, but that when they saw this man, they were absolutely astonished by the miracles that he was performing. They were amazed. And they knew, the disciples knew, they've seen it. And now, Jerusalem hasn't seen it before, but now this one, that they've seen just how powerful he is. They knew that nothing can stop this man. They have seen him. And they're thinking, yes, at last, this guy that wants to be in obscurity, this guy that, that, that is hiding, um, and now at last he's going up to Jerusalem, the, the capital city. The king, the king is coming. So that's the first thing, the coming king. But the second thing I want to say is to talk about the humble king. Because Jesus is a king like no other king you've ever seen. Notice that he's on a donkey. And not only actually on a donkey, he's on the colt of a donkey, a foal of a donkey. Isn't this a bit ridiculous? Because if you were a king coming to Jerusalem, surely you would come on a war horse. Surely you would come with your armour on, with all your splendour and with all your might and with all your glory. 
But Jesus chooses this little humble everyday creature. In fact, it says not only does he come on a donkey, he, it, it says it come, he comes on the colt, on the foal of a donkey. Just a little, a little creature. Do you know when the, when the disciples knew that at last, after all these years, that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, I reckon their hearts must have soared. Yes, he is coming now. He's coming to reign. But when he, he, he jumped on this donkey, they must have been thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're going to come into the city on that thing? Because it's a bit embarrassing, a great king, to come into the city on a donkey. And yet Jesus was very deliberate in choosing the donkey. He's very, very deliberate. Go into the, you'll find him. <laughs> I want that one. Bring it to me. That's exactly the mode of transport that I'm choosing. And in actual fact, in coming into the city on a donkey, Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that was spoken 500 years before by a prophet called Zechariah. And in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, this is what it says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus, when he walks into Jerusalem, he's actually fulfilling the scriptures. In, yes, he's carried along by a donkey and carried into the city on a donkey, but in another sense, he's being carried along by the word of God, by the scriptures themselves, by the prophecies. They are bearing him along to a purpose. He's got a purpose in his heart, a purpose hidden from everyone else because they are all praising him. They are all uh, just amazed and, and, and praising him, but he knows that in a minute, in a little while, the crowd will turn against him. It'll turn into rejection. Jesus is different from any other king in a very profound sense. You see, he could have come to Jerusalem in, in all his might, and he could have smashed heads together, and he could have deposed all the, the Roman army he had the power in fact in one point in the gospels jesus actually says i have got at my disposal disposal 12 legions of angels should i want to deploy them on for my purpose should i want to but he chooses to come as a humble king he chooses to come on a donkey because this king couldn't, had, a, had a different ver, victory in mind, not just to smash heads, not just to have a temporary victory over a little army. He had a much, much greater victory in mind. He was purposing to defeat darkness itself and to death itself. He was purposing to conquer all the powers of evil and the only way he could do it is if the king would die. The king himself would die. So this is a humble king. 
This king has not come to oppress you. This king has not come to crush you. This king has not come to accuse you. This king has come to be crushed for you, to be accused for you, even though he's done nothing wrong. So he's a humble king. Firstly, the coming king. Secondly, the humble king. But thirdly, I want to talk about the crying king. Because it says that when Jesus came to the capital city where the temple was, he looked over the city and he wept. And the commentaries say that it's quite clear that that word weep in Greek is not just a little tear running down his eyes, but he sobbed. Like he full on sobbed. He wept over the city. Why was he weeping over the city of Jerusalem? Because he knew even then that the hearts of the people had turned against him, would turn against him. The Pharisees had said to him, Rebuke your disciples. Do you hear that they're saying that you're the king? Rebuke them. And he says, look, you are so blind. I've come to save humanity, but but even the rocks would cry out. You're, you're, You're blinder than the rocks. Even they would cry out. If only you could see what God was doing. You know, the God, the, the Lord Jesus was weeping um, because he was coming to a city and they missed it. They couldn't see. They were blind and he wept. He just totally wept. Their hearts were hard. And notice he wasn't weeping for himself, thinking, oh, uh, I've really come to this point and uh, I'm a failure. And he wasn't weeping for himself. He wasn't even weeping for himself that he was going to get suffered. He was going to suffer and be smashed himself. He, wasn't, he was weeping for them that they are so blind and salvation had come to them, was here for them and they could not see it. And he wept for them. I wonder about our city I wonder if the Lord sobs over our city because we're so blind. We do not recognise what would bring us peace. Jesus wept. He had a tender heart. His heart was not hard. It wasn't indifferent. There was a deep engagement. He's the coming king. He's the humble king. But he's the weeping king, the crying king. Lastly, I'd just like to ask you a question. How can this king ride into your life and my life and give us peace? Because Jesus goes into Jerusalem and you know that within days... He, this one that had been so praised, <laughs> had been met with such adulation and praise on his way in, the crowds and the cloaks going down to honour him, the palm branches, within days, because he did not um, grab hold of power and smash heads together like they hoped that he would, they turned against him. 
and he was crucified, bleeding and uh, tortured and dying on, on a cross. On the third day, the scriptures say that this king rose. He rose in power to sit, sit with tremendous authority and the scriptures are clear that one day he will come back to judge. And when he comes the second time, he actually won't come to suffer. He will come to reign. He will come to bring salvation to those that are waiting for him. How can this king ride into your life and bring you peace? Three things. One is three things that we must do for, for Jesus to bring his kingly rule in our life. The first one is we've got to take our cloaks off and honour him. What do I mean? In those days, they took off their cloaks and they put them on the ground so that the, the donkey's foot would not even touch the ground because they were honouring the king. And, and if you look in your wardrobe and mine, we've got heaps of shirts and stuff and whatever, we treat them lightly. But in those days, to make just one cloak would take so much labour to spin every thread and to weave it all together. And the, the cloaks were precious things. And, and if you had a cloak, that was your glory. That, that was your, something of your identity. And to take off your cloak and to lie it down on the dirt so a donkey would tread on it, that is to give great honour to the one that is to come. And I, one of the ways that this king can ride into your life and bring you teeth, peace is to take your cloak off. Take off your glory. Lay it down. Lay it down and honour the king. Your life is not all about you. It's not all about your, 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 your success and all about your fame and all about your glory. It's not about that. Take off your cloak and lay it down and honour the king. And he will rise in strength and in love because he's a humble king and bring peace to your life. The second thing, you must give the king your donkey. When, when Jesus said to the disciples, go in to the village and untie the colt, and if anyone asks you, tell them the Lord needs it. And then it's repeated because in the account, it's repeated because it says that the disciples did go in and they did ask and they said, the Lord needs it. If Jesus is to be king in your life, there's got to be obedience. I mean, complete obedience. If, if you are not obedient to him, he's not king at all. But, but they, as soon as they said the Lord needs it, there was no discussion. The donkey was given. It was laid down. Yes, Lord. Yes. This valuable, precious animal that was probably worth to them 
way more than what your car is worth to you. And, and yet they, they did not even question because the Lord needs it. And I just want to say that if Christ is going to be your king, then it's not about you saying, oh, you just hang on, Jesus, just hang on, I just need it for a minute, I'll give it to you when I get time or when it's convenient. No, there was none of that here. It was the Lord needs it and there was complete obedience because he was the king. And the Lord is saying to you, if, if you are to be a disciple, if he is to reign over you, then when he calls, and if he says, I need it, then you're obedient. Thirdly, we need, and lastly, we need to trust the death of Christ to bring hope to our darkness. Because when Jesus was dying on the cross, those crowds that were full of praise days before, they laughed at him. They just totally laughed at him. They said, he saved others, but he doesn't seem to be able to save himself. Come down from the cross, Jesus, if you're the son of God. And they laughed at him. They laughed him to scorn, not knowing that this was the greatest king of all, giving up his life that we might live. And this is our only hope. Listen to me. This truly is my only hope and your only hope. That God has sent his son to die a horrible death on the cross in our place for our sins. And he has risen in tremendous power and now he is the one that wants to bring peace to your life. He was crushed so that you would never be crushed. He was tortured so that you would have peace. He is the one. Our hearts must trust in him. We can have a lot of other gods that we serve. We can serve money or popularity or sex or any other thing. We can serve them all. They are not a saviour. They will never save you. They will crush you. But this king was crushed for us to bring us life. So I, as we ourselves walk into this Easter period, I'm asking you to look again at this king. Amazing king. We will not, I have not seen and you have not seen yet the glory that will be seen one day when we'll all be on our faces before him. But we have been offered, we is, he is offering to us life like no other life and hope so that whatever darkness is covering you, whatever terrible hardship and disappointment and tragedy feel like they're crushing you, will you let this beam of light that Christ has died and risen again give you comfort, give you peace, give you hope. Let me pray. Lord, uh, thank you that you've ridden, Lord Jesus, into Jerusalem on a donkey as a coming king, as a humble king, 
as a crying king. But Lord, you are now an exalted king, reigning and ruling. And Lord, we are, we've got pains and hardships here on earth, but our eyes are looking to you, to hope in you. So please, Lord, as we walk into this Easter, um, would you give us hearts and minds and whole, our whole selves that would look at you and trust you and hope in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.